Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. All right, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 7. Verse number one, Matthew 7, verse one, you need to get it, you need to hold your place right there. Uh, we're going to dive into that passage, and, and uh, we're going to have some fun with that today. Now, I, I know Jake mentioned this earlier, but I really want you to be at City Life 101 tonight at 6, right here in the foyer. If, you, if you're just, if you're, uh, seriously, if you're newer, you're trying to figure out, learn a little bit more about the church, I want to have the opportunity just to sit down with you. So we be here tonight. Just, just, just show up. Just show up. I know some of you have registered, and many have, and maybe you can you can still do that on the app or on the card. But just show up. Be here at six tonight. We're gonna have a good time this evening right here. Uh, our theme for the year for our church is called "Mobilized to Occupy," and Jesus said this in His Word in Luke chapter nineteen, verse thirteen. He said, "Occupy." Till I come. And that means we're going to do the business of God. We're going to do the Lord's business in the culture until Jesus comes. And we will be rewarded according to that. But I'm telling you, this is a whole new season in our nation and in our world. And it is challenging for a lot of believers to adapt to this. But we're going to adapt and we're going to occupy till Jesus comes. So I want you to write down the title for this message. It's called How to Judge. How to Judge, Not. Now, not is in parentheses. That's that way on purpose. But the message is entitled How to Judge, Not. You see, part of the business we're supposed to be doing in our culture is judging and not judging. And I'm going to ask you to, to really be intellectual here with me today. I want you to think through this, this, uh, this message because it's just interesting what's going on in our culture. Uh, I remember it was, there was some racial tension in our community about six years ago and a group of pastors and I who were working with the mayor at that time, we had... Uh, we, we came together and we said, you know what, this, we would love to see God do something in our city. And we made a proposal to the mayor and to the city manager, and it was called a task force for race and culture, that we would come together and we would begin to address some of the tensions and we would begin to, to really love and help people and, and to see the Holy Spirit, really, more than anything, create new, new bonds. So we sat down right here in this building and, and we, we, we carved out a plan. We carved out a strategy and presented it to the city manager. And then city manager said, I love this. We're going to take it to city council. We really want this to happen. And uh, we, got, uh, we got to the place where, where it was before the city council, and they had read my proposal that had written up. And, and, and I actually knew all of these city council members, and it was struck down by a five-to-four vote. So they struck down our proposal because they said there was too much God in it. I'm telling you, that's true. Five people said that, four said, didn't say it. I was concerned. I, at that point, became very concerned for the future of our city because they said, no, 
here's what one of the, the city council members said. They said, Sunday mornings are the most segregated time in our community. So we will not allow you to do this. Now, I, I didn't have an opportunity to speak in that setting, but, but I talked to that city council member later, <laughs> and I said, well, people cluster according to cultures, and that's why it's called a task force on race and culture. And, uh, and I said, and here we've got a black Baptist pastor, a white pastor in downtown, and you've got a Jewish guy, and you've got, and, and, and we, we, we have a Mexican priest, and we ha- I said, here you have the most diverse leaders of, of our faith, of faith in this city, and you're saying no to this diverse group. I said, and we get along, and we're friends, and if we can do it, God can do it in our community. They said, well, I don't know about that, and, and that, was, that, was, that was tough. That was tough. So, but I, I took it as God saying, okay, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to do something else, and so I'm going to work with it. Of course, I, later the city uh, adopted their own. They came up with their own plan after ours was rejected, and, uh, and they kept the name the Task Force on Race and Culture, and, and, uh, and I was one of the members of the Task Force on Race and Culture. And beginning to serve there was the first time in my life I began having people accuse me and attack me and threaten me, even threaten my life, calling me racist. I had never been called a racist before in my life. I'm like, I got married to a Mexican. What are you doing? Like, well, that doesn't count. Like, what? You know? But I began to discover that you're going to get judged, and people will judge you on groundless stuff that has nothing to do with anything, and they're going to judge you because they are hurting. And it was painful. That's, that's actually the time. I don't, I'm, you, it's okay for you to know this. That's the time when I decided it's time to go ahead and get my license to carry and began to, to carry a firearm because of the, the threats that were on me because I was now racist. And that kind of stuff began to just unfold. And for a few years, I did, had to deal with that. And it even kind of climaxed about two years ago. Um, and... I just, I just kind of looked back at that thought, and it wasn't just, in, in the beginning it was just people in the community, but then it ended up being Christians, even people who called themselves believers, and, and it, it became a very ugly, very ugly. And I realized that there's no reason, there's, no, there's nothing I can do to try to defend myself. And when some Christians approached me on this, uh, totally groundless. There's no grounds for it at, at all. There was no ground for it. But like, what, what, what is your reason? It says, because of your skin color. Okay, so I'm racist because, of, of, because I was born this way? Yes, you are. And, and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to submit myself to the judgment of God. May God judge me. May God judge me. And they kind of looked at me dumbfounded. I was like, well, what does that mean? It's like, your, your judgment doesn't count. It's the judgment of God that counts. God's going to judge me, not you. And, and, and when I did that, I just felt, ah, I felt this freedom. I felt this release. Today I want to talk about judging, judging, judging. I was wanting to show you guys a video clip of one of my favorite movies, 
uh, Nacho Libre. Uh, that is actually one of my favorite movies. I just have to let you know. It really, really is. And it's when Escaleto goes, goes, don't judge me, you know. And, and he, I, I wanted to show you guys that, but I thought, no, it's just, just, it's just too much. So those of you who know that, if, if you don't have the context of the movie, you wouldn't get it anyway. But we're going to talk about judging. You know, and Christians do this really well. Christians do this by saying, you have a spirit of this, or you have a spirit of that. or you. It's like, what are you doing telling me I have a what, a what, a what? Oh, yeah, come on. I might be stepping on some toes right now. We don't just go around telling somebody they've got a spirit of this or a spirit of that. That, my friend, is called judging because you don't know. You're looking at the outward appearance. You're looking at something you see or perceive on the outside that's filtered by your own issues or challenges or hurts or problems or things that you've received from the culture in general or things that you've received from twisted forms of Christianity, and there you are. You know, people will say, well, it, it is something in our culture where people say, go to hell. You know, that is, that is actually taking the place of God himself. I, I, I thought, should I say it or not? So I, I just go ahead and say it. Because people do say that. I'm not telling you that. But people are actually putting themselves on the throne of God when they say that because it's only God who can do that. And I'm telling you guys, you ever say that kind of stuff, that is, that is, that is stinking dangerous. That is really, really dangerous. So... It's interesting because now uh, people know enough about, uh, about the Bible, they know a little bit about the Bible, and they hear it in the culture that they will take Bible verses and they will quote them to you and say, see, you can't judge. You can't judge. And so, you know, I, 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 I've heard believers say, well, I don't know what, you know what you're doing, whether it's right or wrong, but who am I to judge? I'm not, I can't judge. I'm not, who am I to judge? And, and it's challenging. So... Let's talk about this thing of judging. Do we or don't we? Should we? When do we? When do we not? How do we do it? Let's see what the Bible says because that's what I love to go to. You love the Word of God? Good. Let's dive into it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Let's start off because I'm going to confuse you even more. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Start, because I'm, gonna, I'm intentionally going to confuse you because that is what happens to so many believers. But I'm going to have you work through it with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Say it out loud with me. It's in your Bibles. I want you to see it and hold it in your Bibles. Don't turn after I finish with this because we're going to dive into this passage more in a little bit. But say it out loud with me. Do not judge or you too will be judged. That is a scripture that, that is quoted by the culture. Judge not that you be not judged. They like to use the King James Version of that. And, and they like to say that. They like to throw that out there and, and, and make you like, oh, that's right. I, I, better, I better not. Now, again, hold your place. We'll come back to that later. Take a look at this next scripture on the screen. John chapter 7, verse 24. It also says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge. Wait a minute. So now, first Jesus said, do not judge. And now Jesus, this is still Jesus talking, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. What in the world does that mean? And so we, are we or are we not supposed to judge? I'm confused. I, I mean, look at it. There's an entire book of the Bible called Judges. Uh, really, think about that. Uh, the, the, right, right down the street over here, there's this thing called the Tarrant County Court. 
And have you ever been in that building? You, you definitely know about that place. I've never been there because I have to be there, but I've been there to help some people before. But, but if, if you've ever been there, you've sat before a judge. Like, well, should they be thrown out because the Bible says do not judge? Some of the, you know, there are some people in our culture that says, yeah, let's throw them all out. Let's get rid of them all. Hold on here. But yet, on the other hand, you cannot find a fruit of the Spirit called judging. You cannot find a gift of the Holy Spirit called judging. Yet, on the other hand, look at it right there, but judge with righteous judgment. Now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And I, and I want you can follow along up here on the, uh, on the screens. And this is going to give you a little more context. It's going to help you to begin to understand this a little more. So I'm going to give you plenty of scripture today. You can write these down and come back to these later. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, look at it. It says, if any of you has a dispute with another. This is talking to believers here, okay? Do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? In other words, they're saying, why are you going to run to a court when people in the church can help you settle matters? And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, huge wisdom in that. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will, what? Judge the world? What does that mean? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge Trivial cases. <laughs> okay, keep going here. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? In other words, like secular judges who have nothing, who do not operate by the kingdom principles, okay? He says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough, and <laughs> now he's really getting at them, wise enough, so wisdom comes with judging now we see, wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court, and this is in front of unbelievers? Now I've confused you even further. So let's take a look at the word judge. Judge and judgment. And if we're going to understand this well, we need to look at what the Old Testament, the Hebrew term judge, judgment, went, uh, meant and what it means and what the New Testament word, which is the Greek word judge and judgment, mean. And I love this because they mean essentially the same thing. So when you see the word judge uh, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, it has the same meaning. But I want you to know the word judge has a very, very broad, a very vast definition. It's not necessarily what you think it is. There's a lot more to it. And no, we're not supposed to judge. And yes, we are supposed to judge. And this will help you define this, all right? So, so here is... Here is the definition of judging. And this is both New and Old Testament. One part of it is to accomplish a sentence. So that is where you, 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 you come up with a sentence and you say, this is what you're going to do and this is what you're not going to do. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to judge and, and here is the penalty or here is the blessing or whatever that's associated with that. That is one part of judging. A second part of the definition of judging is this. It means to deliver someone from injustice or oppression. That is judging. Delivering someone from injustice or oppression. The Bible words for judgment can mean that also. 
Now, that's often translated justice, but the translators of the Bible have to kind of decide which one do I think it is. I don't really know. And so they kind of, they, they have to, really they have to guess based upon the context. And, and, uh, and, but I'm educating you in this, that every time you see the word judgment, it doesn't mean that you're executing a sentence on someone. It can also mean you are delivering someone from injustice or oppression. And that's basically what we call justice. Now, there's a third, the third one, and it is to discern between good and evil. So judging is discerning what's good and what's evil. There's a spiritual gift that's associated with that. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's called the gift of the discerning of spirits. So that's one of the things I've been asking you to do because I believe in this new era, we need to be asking God to give us a gift of discernment so that we can begin to function within the culture and within the church at a much higher level spiritually. We need discernment today. But you're discerning between what's good and what's evil. And there's a fourth part of the word judging, and that means to rule. It means to govern. So, you, you, again, like the book of Judges, those were rulers. They were not like people who sat in a robe and said, okay, here's, the, here's what you go. You're going to 10 years in the pit or five years of slavery or whatever. No, no, actually, they were rulers. So four different elements of what judging is. Now, in order to kind of wrap our brains around this, I want to give you some examples. The, the, in the New Testament, the religious leaders, they were judging Jesus. They judged him to the extreme that they actually issued a sentence. They got a, a sentence issued to him where he was executed on the cross. It was religious leaders who were doing judgment, and that was very, very, very evil. In fact, those religious leaders really liked doing that kind of stuff. They brought a legal accusation against Jesus. But see, Jesus, when his goal was on this earth, scriptures also tell us that he didn't come to issue judgment. He, in fact, it says in the scriptures, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to release justice, which is a different form of judgment. Jesus came to deliver people from oppression. That, and we actually have the job description of Jesus Christ. So our struggle is to stop attempting to catch someone from slipping up, and we need to shift over to begin to bring justice to people. I mean, I really believe that Christians need to differentiate themselves from the rest of the culture by actually bringing mercy and ju justice and blessing to the people in our culture, whether they're in the church or whether they're not. This is actually how we will differentiate ourselves. And we're not the ones who are going to jump to conclusions when certain things happen in the culture. That's another, that's another challenge that's happening right now is, is there's, there's a, there's, are, is reaction. Someone will observe something from afar or observe it even on a television screen or a video or something like that. They will react and they'll begin to do, they'll begin to, to, to do things that are com even up to violence. We've seen plenty of that. People responding in violence to things that they see or perceive that others are telling them. And then a year or two later come to find out what they were doing violence against wasn't even the issue. That wasn't even true. And so we have to be very careful, my friend, very, very careful in, in, in reacting and judging based upon even what we see around us. That's why the spirit of discernment is really, really important. See, what we have to begin to do is begin to give mercy to people who don't deserve it. We need to begin showing compassion to people who are hurting. We need to, be, to, to uh, help to just simply lift oppression off of people who need a little extra help. 
That is the justice of God. That is judgment. That is what we are supposed to do. That is righteous judgment. That's what uh, Jesus was talking about earlier. I want you to do righteous judgment. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 8. It says this, in the, it, it, this is a situation in Israel where they were, they were messed up. They were just all about themselves. It was all about their own selfish pursuits. And God sends a word to them. And here, look at this. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. It's God said this through the prophet Zechariah to his people. He said, administer true justice. And that word is also translated judgment. Show mercy and compassion toward each other. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not even think evil of each other. Do you see that? Thinking evil. See, that's where judgment actually begins with us. The evil form of judgment is we begin to think evil about other people. And and we have to stop doing that, but I'll tell you, it's not easy to do that if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life so that you can begin to, to issue God's kind of justice instead of judgment of thinking evil, thinking wrong of every person around you and, and, and the culture in general. I'm telling you, you know as well as I do, there's plenty of evil in the culture. I don't even need to preach about that. You can see it. It is, it is more plain than ever before. But what we have to do is we have to be careful in how we, if, about attacking people because of the own evil that's, that's even in their lives. Let me explain this to you. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not. It, it, it don't work that way. You're not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through you, but you can't convict. Only the Holy Spirit can. And we're going to learn about this more and more today. James chapter 2, verse 13. Here's another scripture. It says, judgment without mercy. That is, that is scary. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, God, he will actually judge you by issuing a sentence over you, that's what that's saying there, if you judge people without mercy. Now, I know that we also have to make decisions in life. We have to look, okay, is there something going wrong? I have to correct this. I have to make a decision here. There, there's got to be a, a line drawn in the sand. I understand all that. And so this is not some type of a gooey thing of like, let's just all do whatever we want, and I'm just, you can go ahead and live whatever way you want, steal from each other. I'm going to judge you. I, I'm not having, no, that's not what I'm saying at all, at all, because we do have to call things out, but it's between believers. We have to call things out, but we do it with love and in a form of mercy where we want to believe the best, expect the best, hope for the best, and, and, and position that person for restoration because we love them. Because we love them. We love them. You see, look at this statement. When others judge you unfairly, don't fight back because you will get judged unfairly. You have been judged unfairly. Don't fight back. Instead, put yourself under God's judgment. And that's what I told you about earlier. I do this. I do this regularly. And, and I learned about this years ago. Uh, I, 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 I was actually, I was pastoring a church in Missouri, and I'll just tell you right now, there was, there was a lot of infection in the church when I took it. It was, a, it was an established church at the time. That's when I said, I don't, I don't ever want to pastor an established church again. We're going to come in and any problem, it's, it's, it's going to be my own. But uh, th that's why we're here. But, but I, 
I, I was an established church that had a lot of infection in it. There were a lot of problems. And people, I continually found they, they were always believing the worst about one another. And, and just, just it, it, was, it was constant. It was everywhere. I mean, it, it, I had to deal with it on literally a daily basis. And it, it was between people in the congregation. It was, it was against me and others. And, and I really, really struggled with that. And, but that's when I finally found this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, when it became real to me, which has helped me ever since then when it comes to people judging, it's doing what Jesus did. Take a look at this. It says, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, that's what I said you, you can do earlier. Well, I'm not going to come back out at you. Now, sometimes you do have to defend yourself. You do have to stand your ground. I'm never, not saying to never stand your ground. But, but at a certain point, you need to say, I'm just going to entrust myself to God who judges justly. He can judge me justly. I think he can do a much better job than you can any day. And that is, that is a simple mechanism that we as believers can and should use, especially when it's dealing with people that are in the culture. So... I began, as, as I was processing this, like, why is this issue of judging so difficult for us? Why is it? And I think it has to go back to the beginning somewhere. It has to go way, way back. And, 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 and so I went back and I started looking at the whole issue with Lucifer. Lucifer, as you know, was one of the archangels. And I believe he was one of the ones that he had uh, amazing authority and oversight in heaven under God. And <clears throat> Lucifer rebelled against God. But one of the passions of Lucifer was to sit on the throne of God and to become the judge. Did you know that? That was one of the passions of Lucifer. Lucifer is Satan, in case you don't know. So that was his passion was to sit in the place of judgment. Therefore, when we're dealing with the, the temptations that come from hell, the temptations that come from the enemy, they're the same thing that, that Lucifer was doing himself because we're inspired to sin by hell itself, by, by Satan, okay? So, so we, we are inspired to do these same things. It's, our, it's what we call our sin nature, and it's spurred on by Lucifer's own sin. And that's where the problem begins. And the problem begins, it is, a, it is part of our sinful nature, therefore we all struggle with it. Judging other people is, is, is a sin that every single one of us are tempted with. You know, we're not all tempted by the same sins. Everybody's tempted by different things. But when it comes to judging, we're all tempted by it because that is Lucifer's number one sin right there. But we don't make Jesus known by, by judging people. We make Jesus known by loving other people, by mercy. There's a whole chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It, it literally, literally says that you can have all these gifts of the Spirit. You can be like working supernatural things and prophesying and working miracles and all this kind of But if you can't love people, if you don't have love and mercy and compassion, then that's all a bunch of junk. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. That's why Scripture tells us this. Galatians chapter 5, look at this. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. I call that spiritual cannibalism right there. That's where people, believers just chew and bite on each other. Another one, Romans chapter 14 verse 13 says, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Now, this is really, really tough. And, and I'm not sharing this sermon 
out of any kind of a reaction to anything that I know. Now, if something's going on that, that you know, I, I'm not sharing this out of a reaction. This is something I plan, but this has something to do with us knowing how to deal with judging so that we can function well as God's agents in this world. That's what this is all about. So, so if you, you really have to take an honest evaluation of yourself and, and look at yourself because the truth is we consistently tend to want to sit on the throne of judgment ourselves. And if you're like most people, if you have a problem with someone, you begin to focus on what that person did wrong or how they hurt you or how they sinned or how they messed up. And you, be, and you can begin to think the most horrible thoughts about them and then you actually begin to judge them and condemn them in your own mind and you work yourself up in your mind. And, and you, but, but it, but it kind of feels good in your mind because you now have this newfound superiority because you, it's the same temptation that, 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 uh, that Satan had, that Lucifer had. You're kind of putting yourself back on God's throne. I feel good about this. I'm kind of like God. I've got this thing figured out and you don't you don't know again now let's go back to matthew chapter 7 verse 1 we're going to dig into this now because this is the scripture we're we're focusing on today matthew 7 verse 1 let's read the whole thing do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Now, let's pause it for just a second. Hold on. One of my first very traumatic childhood experiences was I was staying at somebody's house where my parents were at a conference one time, and, and this, this family had like four boys, and so naturally, this, you know, I'm just a boy, just throw me in with the mix. But one of the boys was working outside, and he got some sawdust in his eye, and he couldn't get it out. And the dad had to come, and it just, I remember seeing that his eye was red, and ah, get it out, get it out, get it out. I was like traumatized by that. I will never get sawdust in my eye the rest of my life. And Jesus is saying right there, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the two-by-four that's in your own eye, the plank that's in your own eye? That's what Jesus is saying. You got this in your eye. What in the world are you trying to get this tiny little speck out of someone else's eye for? Okay, look at this. Come on, let's keep going. How, do you, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. <laughs> First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, as I researched this, I just discovered the scholars said, well, really, what, looking at the words that he was using here, Jesus did this as a way to get their attention. It was, act, it was humorous because, come on, seriously, nobody's walking around like this with, with a plank in their eye. And so in that, in that uh, culture, they would have reacted with laughter to it. And, okay, great, yeah, I don't have this in my eye, and, uh, but now I get the picture. There's a tiny piece of sawdust. There's a huge plank. Big difference. And I see this now. So he did this illustration. That's why even I bring this up here, this goofy piece of uh, two-by-four that I found backstage. I don't know what they're going to use it for, but, but it becomes a very good prop right now for me, is that this is the problem with us, not the specks of sawdust. We need to focus on our own shortcomings first and deal with them, because we all tend to have, I'm telling you, we all tend to have a little bit of a disease called plank eye. <laughs> we do! We do! We all have it! You know you do! 
So I, 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 what I want you to do is I want you to begin to look at yourself. I want you to begin to, to begin trying to chip away or whittle away a little bit at your own two-by-four. And then, because if you're trying to judge by what you see, there's something in the way there, and it's going to distort the view of what you really need to be looking at. So here, here's some simple steps. I'm going to give you one, two, three, very quickly. Number one, confront, confront your own shortcomings. Just confront them yourself. Here are my shortcomings. I'm going to confront them. In other words, take the plank out of your eye. Get them out. Get it out. Confront your own. And then the second is this. Number two is be sure you are able to see clearly. Okay, now am I seeing clearly? Because you still may not be seeing clearly. They still may, might have been four or five planks in your eye. And, and that's why it's good to have Christian brothers and sisters with us. Am I, am I seeing everything correctly? Am I seeing this from the right point of view? Do I have clarity of vision? And number three, if you can do those first two, and it is contingent upon doing those first two, number three is you lovingly and gently remove the shortcoming from someone else, you see? Because you, you've, you don't want to harm them. And, and the problem is we're hurting people by trying to get a, plant, by trying to get a uh, piece of sawdust out of their eye and we're bumping them upside the head. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about having a full-blown long two-by-four up here and I was going to like kind of bump you, but I decided not to. I didn't think that would be very good. No, no. But that's what it is. <laughs> really, that's what it is. And, 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 and we've got to keep this in mind, is that God is the one who's going to settle things anyway. God avenges, not us. Psalm chapter 94, verse 1 lets us know that very, very clearly. And, and I know some of you, you've suffered some really grievous wounds. Um, you feel you need avenge. You need to avenge and get back. That is, that's part of that nature, or that sin nature. But the Bible warns us that God is the one who, who avenges, not us. Never put yourself on the throne of God to attempt to judge or avenge anything. Instead, you need to pray blessing on those people. You might say, but I don't want them to be blessed. Yes, you do want them to be blessed. First of all, it's godly. But secondly, oh, get this, this is really good. When you're praying blessing, Holy Spirit blessing on a person, what happens? God gets into their life. And God begins to convict. God begins to work on their hearts. And God begins to do all kinds of stuff that you can never do. Quit, quit acting like you're as good as God. God will do it a whole lot better than you. My dad one time, he, he told me, he's told me this story right up till a few, few months before he passed away. He told me the story at least a hundred times. But it was a turning point for him where, where someone in his church uh, had, had really, really done some bad stuff. I mean, they had they had honestly done some bad, and it harmed the ministry in a huge way. And this was a person who was a significant leader in the church, and, and my dad said he was so angry, and he, he was driving out to that person's house. And he says, I'm going to go out there and give them a piece of my mind, and I'm going to, and halfway out there, he felt the Holy Spirit said, stop. If you do that, you're removing me from the equation. You're putting yourself on my throne, and that is my job, not yours. You'd better turn yourself around and get back to your office and start praying for me. He did, and things worked out good. In fact, it took 25 years, but eventually that man came up to my dad and embraced him and sobbed and said, I'm so sorry for harming you and your family, but also the church and the work of God. And so many people <sighs> were harmed because of what I did. Can you forgive me? My dad said, yeah, I did when I was driving out to your house years ago. How wonderful is that? Now, my, guy, my friends, that's, that's, that's Christianity. That's Christianity. Love and pray for those people. And 
And I just encourage you to, to know that ultimately what God wants us to do is to not to give the harsh judgment and try to fix everybody, but it is to try to release his justice, the justice form of judgment. When Jesus Christ came into this earth, the very first time he stood up in front of people and preached, so to speak, he took a scroll and he began reading from it. And he read this from Isaiah chapter 61. And I want you to look at this. Uh, look at this. It's up on the screens. Put it up there. He said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And understand, this is what Jesus' job description was, and Jesus has now passed this on to us. In fact, this is the foundation for everything that we even do in our church through through, uh, through reaching out into the community and around the world has everything to do with this right here. It's what Cultural Streets is about is this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. My friends, that is Christianity right there. That is Christianity. Thank God for his mercy that he's shown you. And now we take that anointing on ourselves and we begin to do that. That is what you call Isaiah chapter 61 is what I call righteous judgment. That is how we judge righteously right there. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. And I want to read it to you from the message version of the Bible as I wrap this up. Because I love the texture of this. This is, this is good. So my encouragement comes right back to you from the exact scripture I started with. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. I like this next slide. It says, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Whoa. Is this hitting home or what? Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your faith is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Oh, <laughs> talk about hitting home. Yeah. You receive the mercy of God, and then you give the mercy of God. You begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. This is how God has called us to judge righteously. Are you ready to do that? I want us to pray. I want us to pray all across this room. I'm going to pray that righteous judgment will be a part of our lives regularly and consistently, and we're not going to find ourselves attacking and, and being critical and harming others. Because I want you to pray with me right now. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word is clear to us. And today's message is a message of, that convicts us all, God, because we're all on the spectrum somewhere. And God, if, we, if we're going to make a difference in this world, if we're really going to live out our faith in this culture, God, we want to do so in a way that's not doing it with the judgmentalism of the world, but we're going to do it with the justice of God 
righteous justice. We're going to do the ministry of Jesus in this world. Give us the strength and the ability to do so. Some of you, you just, you, you just simply right now, you need to ask God to forgive you for the way you've been judging someone else. I don't know your situation, but you do, and God does. Some of you right now, you just need to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me, God. I have messed this up. I've let bitterness get into my heart. Instead, God, I'm going to choose to begin to bless. Come on, just begin to pray blessing, blessing, blessing. Just whisper. You can even whisper that person's name right now. Bless, 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 bless in Jesus' name. Bless in Jesus' name. Yeah. Bless in Jesus' name. Bless in Jesus' name. Just keep yourself locked in with the Holy Spirit right now with God. And I'm going to ask you just to examine your own heart, every person in this room. And if you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with Jesus, and you're not serving Him, and you know you need to, you know you need to make things right with God, I'd like for you to do so by just praying a prayer with me and inviting Him into your life. Would you do that? that's you, you're saying, Pastor Tim, today I, I need to make things right with God. It's time for my sin to get put behind me, for me to begin living for Him with all my heart. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand at the count of three. When you lift your hand, I'm going to connect my faith with yours, and we're going to pray together. I'm going to pray for God to bring forgiveness into your life. Would you do that? That's me, Pastor Tim. I need God's forgiveness today. One, two, three. Lift your hand up for me. Lift your hand up here. Thank you. Who else? I need God's forgiveness. Thank you. Those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. Pray these words with me. And in doing so, your sin is forgiven. Church, I want you to pray this as well as an encouragement to those who are giving their lives to Christ right now. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice to give up my old ways, to give up my sinful patterns, and to serve you. Come and live in me and begin to work through me. Make a difference in this world through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.